E as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N as in Nora, and the number 1, P3E4N1. And we are going through this rushing phase. It's intentional since 2001, kicking off the century of change. We bring in this whole new pre-planned, uh, incredibly planned world, new world order, uh, a world that was envisaged by people well over 100 years ago and definitely worked on steadily from the beginning of the 20th century onwards. A society run by experts, and it's really based on a Soviet, a super-Soviet model, uh, and the, the Soviet experiment really was the basis for it all. Back with more after this break. through the matrix, talking about the, this new world order, which is post-democratic. We never really had democracy. We had the illusion of it. We were, we were basically soothed to an extent by feeling or believing, being taught to believe that we had rights and stuff like that. But really, it only gave a generation any sort of freedom for a while as they really organized, the big powers organized, the big foundations, the parallel government, as they call themselves, organized and set up the, the infrastructure and the new Soviet, as I say, the Soviet is ruled by council. NGOs and foundations comprise the, the new Soviet, basically. And they even appoint people into politics, train them for politics, in fact. They pick the leaders long before we ever hear them, and some of them are picked very young indeed and trained for maybe 20 years and told that we'll put you in this position and that position. In the meantime, CEOs of corporations, nimble plonk into politics, and you'll become president or prime minister. That's how it really works. But the time for, for the molly-coddling the people is over, you see. They, they don't pretend anymore that you're, you're free or you have rights. They're telling us now by authority and laws that so we better just do what we're told. That's the message loud and clear across the whole planet at the same time. Coordination. The networking of these organizations, really, which is really one world organization is incredible, absolutely incredible. But then again, when you really are backed by the people who own pretty well the money of the planet, 90-odd percent, 95% of the money in the planet, then there's nothing you can't do, especially when you get uh, politicians uh, to sign agreements through Treaty of the United Nations to fund their various uh, foundations and outreaches and all the rest of it. That there's nothing you cannot do. There's, there's no future you cannot plan as long as you're in charge of the money. It's quite, it's, it really truly is that, that simple. It truly is. You know, for many, many years, they've been ramming through omnibus bills. Omnibus bills, which make, should make the average person wonder, what's a politician for? If you still believe in it at all, that is. And I've always said that politicians really are put in for the party, the party, you see. Uh, they're like trained seals that sit on the stools at a circus and, and, and clap their fins together uh, when the big cheese, you know, their boss uh, stands up to speak. That's their job. They're a cheering crowd for the party. They don't represent the people. And since they're politicians, they have a particular personality in the first place because only a, a type of psychopath goes into those positions. 
they know uh, that they'll be well rewarded if they play the game, well rewarded when they leave. And politicians are rewarded legally. They get seats on directorship boards. They don't have to attend meetings or anything. They get multi-shares in corporations and that kind of thing. They get ghost-written books. You don't have to even see the thing, in fact, or even put pen to paper. It's all done for them. That's how they get their payoffs. That's the real world. So it tells you the kinds of people they are in the first place. But omnibus bills is, is, is amazing because we them in Canada too, uh, to do with the NAFTA agreement, the free trade agreement before that. There was our omnibus bills ran through uh, thousands of pages that really the politicians could never, if they spent their lifetime in politics actually doing something, could never get through. But they ran through in a matter of hours. This article here shows you what I'm talking about. It's from the Washington Examiner, October the 6th, 2009. It says here, Congressional leaders fight against posting bills online. They don't want the public to know what they're up to. This is a new democracy, is it? As Congress lurches closer to a decision on an enormous overhaul of the American health care system, that's only one part of this on this bill, pressure is mounting on legislative leaders to make the final bill available online for citizens to read before a vote. But they don't want that. They're trying to stop it. Lawmakers were given just hours, hours, right, to examine the $789 billion stimulus plan. Hours. Sweeping climate change legislation, incredible, all different areas, and a $700 billion bailout package before final votes, another bailout package. And the public's paying for all of this, and the politicians' salaries, not, but we're not allowed to know. They want us to know what it's all about. While most Americans normally ignore parliamentary detail, with health care looming, voters are suddenly paying attention. The Senate is expected to vote on a health bill in the weeks to come, representing months of work and stretching to hundreds of pages. And as of now, there is no assurance that members of the public or even the senators themselves will be given the chance to read the legislation before a vote. So why, why go through the farce of pretense? Why, why go through this far? It's for the public's benefit. Well, they voted on it, you know, like they you know what they're doing. It says the American people are now suspicious of not only the lawmakers, what's well, put time, but the process they hide behind to do their work, said Michael Frank, President of Government Relations for the Heritage Foundation, a conservative think tank. But the main point is, as I say, it says here, for instance, the stimulus bill, for example, was 1,100 pages long and made available to Congress and the public just 13 hours before lawmakers voted on it. Now, you couldn't get through that in 13 hours. Never mind all the, the, the lawyer legalese doublespeak and so on. 1,100 pages long. It says the bill has failed to provide the promised help to meet the job market, and there was outrage when it was discovered that legislation included an amendment allowing American International Group, which is a bailout recipient, to give out millions in employee bonuses. Well, it's business as usual for those at the top, uh, even though it's a new world order, isn't it? But that's what happens. And Canada did the same thing. Alan Rock, when he was in, uh, head of the Justice Department for Canada, himself single-handedly ran through a, a, an omnibus bill uh, anti-terrorism, basically, uh, in the 90s, before 2001 even came. See, they already knew that the world they were bringing in, and uh, some of them got ahead of the game, 
They tried to do the same thing in the U.S., and then they got the Oklahoma uh, building blown up uh, after Congress voted no. They, they rammed it through a weekend uh, later after the building blew up. They, they make things happen to get their way. That, that's what they really do. Because believe you me, the power in this new world order uh, is not negotiable. They will not negotiate with you. That's plain as can be in all their writings. It's a mandate. No negotiation. And a plan for all possible uh, outrages from the public. They publish their findings by their own think tanks for the military. 30 years of rioting. They've known this. They've been preparing it for 30, 40 years. This very stage in history. And they ran through omnibus bills. Well, why not just put in a bunch of monkeys for the, for the vote? Because they can read as much as these guys can in a few hours, which is pretty well zilch. See, that's not democracy. It's not even going by uh, the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, or it's supposed to be a republic in the first place. But that was all bypassed, and they went around that. They said that in their own magazine, uh, the Council on Foreign Relations said it in their own magazine, Foreign Affairs. They'd have to do an end run around the Constitution. In other words, ignore it and just go around it. That's what they did a long time ago. Shades of things to come, believe you me. Now, in this uh, farcical swine flu thing, uh, where the World Health Organization is always uh, hyping up thousands of folk are dying all over the place, but they never tell you who or where or anything else, and no one knows anyone who, who's ill with it. Uh, but, but they've already said they would have to create, create panics and fears amongst the people to make them go along, to make them comply with their wishes from the World Health Organization. And believe you me, the stuff they have planned is not good. There's no doubt whatsoever on the findings of vaccines and the health, or I should say the non-health of the public since they were introduced, really stepped up in the 50s onwards with cancers, autism, uh, autoimmune diseases of all kinds that were unknown before, and total allergy syndromes, which again were completely unknown. Um, this is stemming, I'm certain, from, and it's not just my opinion, uh, from the vaccines. They have been killing off the public. The World Health Organization is just a part of the United Nations, which also is a Department of Population Studies, which means population control. They don't have meetings on the necessity to rapidly bring down the population and then send up a chimney to Santa Claus, like a wish list. They put it into action, but they can't tell the children, that's us, we're the children. This article is probably one of the best in-depth explanations of some of the vaccines from the bigwigs themselves, but it's from a reporter, Janine Roberts, who's an award-winning, a British award-winning uh, investigative medical journalist, who's writing in uh, this particular uh, Global Research Foundation's uh, website, and I'll put these links up on my website at the end of the show, but listen to some of this, the sum of this. It, for me, it's hard to read this particular website because it's always way too wide for my screen. It's the only one that is. And I don't, I don't know why that is, but it's the only one that, that it's always too wide. Everything else I can, I can fit in, and I ain't changing it all those settings for one particular website. But it says here, Robert's account of conversations between high-level members of the World Health Organization and federal health agencies and expert vaccine scientists who determine whether or not 
a certain vaccine will be approved or not is horrid. Her investigations are based on official meeting documents uh, and her attendance at emergency vaccine meetings. So this is not her rumours, it's not hearsay, it's from the meetings of the World Health Organization and the corporations that attend it for the pharma. It says, and confirm that our world's vaccine and health experts um, agree there's no solution in sight to resolve the potential and uncertain threats posed by these um, hidden ingredients in all the vaccines, all the vaccines. Begins with the vaccine's industrial complex's attempt to reduce vaccine manufacturing costs by seeking government approval to use, and this is what they're using right now. See, they used to inject the particular viruses or whatever into chicken eggs, use them, the embryos, uh, to develop, the, the, to, to, to breed basically more of the virus. That's what they used. But here's what they're using now. They're, they're changing, and they've got governments to approve it, although they've been doing it all along without telling us in certain vaccines. Cancerous cell lines, to make it cheaper to, to develop for the cost of vaccines. Cancerous cell lines in development of vaccines. The vaccine industry, the rationale is that cancerous cells are immortal. They last longer, you see. They last longer. They're more, they have more survival capabilities than, than ordinary human cells or animal cells to grow the viruses on. So they're using cancer cells. Current vaccine methodology relies on animal cells and it says here uh, certain fertilized embryo, hen embryos and monkey kidneys that died quickly in culture using cancerous cell lines are much cheaper than relying on the purchase of animals, especially monkeys, that need to be sacrificed in, in vaccine substrates. Roberts reports two separate meetings, a meeting of the Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee on November the 9th, 1998. And I'll read this and other parts of it when I come back after this break. And read all this, this website, it's amazing. Through the Matrix, reading an article from Global Research, not hearsay about the vaccines, but actually from someone who has gone to various meetings, etc., an actual journalist in health, uh, health experts, and uh, she meets them, she listens to them, and so on. And it's the first time a lot of this has been published to the public about their own meetings and what they discussed inside the World Health Organization with the big pharma companies and the, all the other organizations that attend. But it says here, uh, she records two separate meetings, a meeting of the Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee on November the 9th, 1998, and a subsequent gathering of the Evolving Scientific and Regulatory Perspective Workshop less than a year later. The conversations were conducted at a scientific level between top officials and expert scientists from the Food and Drug Administration, Centers for Biologics, Evaluation and Research, National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases. They know they're both can combine these injections with, with allergies too. Uh, the, the World Health Organization and others um, each provide evidence and or confirmation that all vaccines are dangerously contaminated. This is their own stuff that they talk about at the top, not the propaganda that they put out to us. Conversations focus primarily on the influenza, the MMR and yellow fever vaccines which rely on fertile chicken eggs for their culturing viruses. 
sterilized chicken eggs while ideally uh, suited for culturing certain viruses for, for vaccines such as influenza and measles, mumps, and rubella vaccines are also living incubators for large numbers of known and unknown viruses in the animal kingdom. While these do not transmit from their animal host to humans naturally, they nevertheless have our sequential genetic codes which when injected into the human body have the potential for any number of unpredictable adverse effects by interfering or merging with the, 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 the cells of humans. Vaccine research is at best a primitive science because it's injecting into the bloodstream foreign substances, chemical and genetic, that would otherwise not enter the body naturally. When they include into the equation the enormous amounts of known and unknown genetic material and foreign proteins that vaccines introduce in the body, and then consider the rapid increase in epidemics raging across the American population, especially the world, adult diabetes in children, large numbers of various inflammatory and immune deficiency diseases, asthma and new allergies, they're all skyrocketing, severe gastrointestinal orders such as leaky gut syndrome, and Crohn's disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, and many different neurological disorders such as autism, ADHD, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, etc. We must step back and reconsider their causes. We should avoid the kind of faith the vaccine industrial complex has in its determinist, reductionist perspective and genetic materialism to find these answers without taking into account the bombardment of toxic chemicals such as the vaccine adjuvants and preservatives extraneous genetic material and pathogenic organisms, foreign genetic fragments and that we assault our bodies from shortly after birth into old age. For some time it was known that the enzyme reverse transcriptase, RT, was present in final vaccine solutions. RT has been used to this day as an indicator that there is a presence of a retrovirus. During the meeting's proceedings, the World Health Organization decided to withhold public announcement of such genetic contamination, in this case concerning the MMR vaccine, and made the decision to not remove it from the market uh, in the meantime and, con and continue safety studies at various laboratories. Roberts reports that Dr. Arifa Khan from the Food and Drug Administration confirmed this. The RT activity in the vaccine was associated with retrovirus particles from two separate viral uh, uh, strains, avian leukosis virus and equine arteritis, uh, arteritis virus, EAV. The former was especially disappointing because ALV is a leukemia cancer. It is a leukemia cancer. This is the one that the World Health Organization decided to withhold from the public announcement of, right? It is a leukemia cancer. Dr. Kahn stated there was a theoretical possibility that the virus ALV could infect the human cell. In summary, this means that ALV genetic codes can integrate with human DNA, hence causing some kind of cancer. They, they know this perfectly well at the top. I've heard other ones talk about it too. The FDA's reassurance that the ALVRT activity was safe is based on laboratory observations that there was no viral human DNA merger activity for only 48 hours. That's all they studied it for after an injection. This kind of insurance is almost nonsense and flies in the face of scientific reasoning since cancers can take years to develop. So that's all the tech. Oh, it hasn't altered the human cell for 48 hours. That's good enough. Right? They know what they're doing. 
as a side note, reverse transcriptase activity is one of the stalwarts of the HIV-AIDS hypothesis. This is um, a serious question regarding the safety and efficacy of the influenza vaccine published by Canada Vaccine Risk Awareness Network reports that some studies and even some vaccine package uh, inserts indicate that vaccinations increase HIV viral replication. This means all vaccines stimulate uh, a, a strong suppressive effect on the immune system. Under stress conditions, viruses turn hyperactive and increase their ability to replicate. They know this at the top. This is from them at the top. Back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. I am Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, talking about what they discuss at the top of the World Health Organization, the Food and Drug Administration, and all the other experts from their own meetings that uh, is now leaking out what they discuss themselves, stuff that they haven't published to the public, because it, it goes against all the propaganda as they try to push all these drugs down us uh, for different reasons. Some people will always think, well, they know what they're doing, it's just for greed. No, it's not just greed. Uh, if you kill off all your, all your potential customers, it would make no sense at all. You can understand that there's a purpose for these big farmers because they're owned by the big bankers who control the world. There's a purpose here. They know what they're doing. This article was on to say the other risks as stated by the Food and Drug Administration official was a possibility, this is their own meetings at the World Health Organization, was a possibility of the ALV sequence merging with the measles virus, hence creating a completely new mutant and dangerous virus. This could also apply equally to the H1N1 swine flu and any other flu vaccines. As an aside, the world-renowned British geneticist Dr. May Wong Ho from the Institute of Science and Society wrote that vaccines themselves can be dangerous, especially live attenuated viral vaccines or the new recombinant nucleic acid vaccines. They have the potential to generate virulent viruses by recombination, and the recombinant nucleic acids could cause autoimmune diseases. Well, they already have been doing that all along. Arthritis is an autoimmune disease. Lots get juvenile arthritis. It's unknown before. During the meter, Dr. Andrew Lewis, then head of the DNA Virus Laboratory in the Division of uh, Viral Products, confirmed that all the egg-based vaccines are contaminated. These fertilized chicken eggs are susceptible to a wide variety of viruses. The participants also realized that only a very small fraction of these small contaminants have been identified. <laughs> That's how far they tell us they've got. A small fragment are identified. And there are likely hundreds more to be discovered, different viruses. Roberts found a 2001 CDC report showing that RT investigative studies for both the ALFV and some of the retroviruses were conducted in 100 patients receiving the MMR vaccine. They found undesirable activity in all measles vaccine lots, all vaccine lots from measles, right, from different manufacturers tested. The conclusion is that the occurrence is not sporadic and that vaccine recipients may be universally exposed to these retroviral particles. 
In a separate National Institute of Health transcript of a meeting, Dr. Conroy of the World Health Organization stated that the EAV viruses are found in all fertilized chicken eggs, the carriers of them all. There appears to be little change in the scientific protocol for making the influenza, MMR, and yellow fever vaccines. The current release of intramuscular H1N1 vaccines for the global market relies on the use of fertilized chicken embryos. These include each of the approved vaccines by CSL, Medimmune, Novartis, Sanofi, Pasteur, as well as GlaxoSmithKline's, and if when it is approved in the U.S. And they're using both types of the spray and the injection in the U.S. Uh, shortly. A late meeting of the FDA's Scientific and Regulatory Perspective Workshop without the press convened on September the 7th, 1999 in Washington, D.C., and attended by representatives from all the large public health institutions in the West. The following are summaries of key points and statements that were put out during this meeting as recorded in Janine Roberts' invaluable book, Fear of the Invisible. It was reconfirmed that vaccines are widely contaminated by viral and DNA genetic code fragments, many viruses and proteins. It was expressed concern that these may also contain uh, tiny proteins responsible for incurable diseases and neurological disorders in both humans and animals and oncogenes, a gene that turns normal cells into cancerous ones. They know this. They've always known this. One attendee, Dr. Goldberg, stated there are countless thousands of undiscovered viruses, proteins, and similar particles in these, in these vaccines. We have not identified, we've only identified a very small part of the microbial world, and we can only test for those we've identified that the vaccine cultures could contain many unknown particles. Listen to this now. <laughs> Dr. Andrew Lewis of the Food and Drug Administration said that a brand new monkey human mutant virus was created during the course of creating an adenovirus vaccine with adenovirus SV40, that's the simian virus 40 that's in polio shots. This is hybrid viruses. Dr. Lewis also worried that foreign cellular DNA common in childhood vaccines could include a vir viral oncogenes, cancerous genes capable of, capable of causing cancer. The scientists presented a question to themselves as to whether or not an attenuated vaccine strain could revert into a variant virus capable of replicating so fast that it would cause AIDS. They agreed that they were unable to answer this question. I would add, or they wouldn't. On the question whether or not mutations events could occur in children after vaccination, now that's been proven because in Nigeria, the World Health Organization has admitted that the free vaccines they were giving them over there, recently in fact for polio, has now created from the vaccine the viral polio from the vaccine, the vaccine polio virus has now uh, evolved using people as incubators, just like you're now the egg, into a super polio virus. So that's happened. What we're saying here has happened already. They know this. The answer was that the recombination among a variety of viruses called contaminant viruses and cells co-infected uh, with, with tissue culture is not uncommon, not uncommon. What this basically means is that because it is not uncommon for genetic codes of both contaminant viruses and living cells to recombine, that's the viruses that are put into you and your own living cells, to recombine and create mutations in laboratory cultures, it can certainly occur in a child's body after vaccination. 
so they're still using Simeon B40 and all, uh, Simeon 40 and all the rest of it in the vaccines today. And you should all be asking yourselves why this incredible media-made hype, this war of terror by the media, fueled by the propaganda from the World Health Organization to do with what seems to be, if it exists at all, a very mild flu. Why all this hype to get the whole world injected or snorted, this other type they're using too, for this, the nasal spray one? Why? Why, when the, the world, they're having world global meetings about, and we're here on all the major papers, I've read some of them here, and from governments everywhere, they have departments on population and, eco- and e- the, the, the ecology and so on to bring down the population. Why is this all happening? Now, you better start putting two and two together. You know, you, you see, I, I said in a, an Alex Jones program today, I said, when you're forced into a situation where, you, where government gives you no choice in something, no choice, then you're under tyranny. If there's no ex- es- escape exit for you to take, then you're under tyranny. That's not government. That's tyranny. That's tyranny. You're supposed to have informed consent so that you can choose. And from this article here, the World Health Organization knows this stuff, but it's covering it up in, in, in this woman's own, own words right here. They know what they're doing, but they don't want the public to know. You're supposed to have informed consent, and if you'd say no, then that should be good enough for everybody else to leave you alone. But I'll put this link up on my website at the end of the show. It's, it's a, it goes on and on and on, and it's well worth reading. You know, there are so many articles you could you'd actually read today about what's happening. Because we're getting bombarded from all quarters as they change the entire makeup of the planet. We've seen how Ireland was, was, was just browbeaten into compliance to give up their sovereignty. That's what it is. And go along with this uh, new treaty for the European Union. And literally, they now have lost their ability, lost any ability to object to any future rules laid upon them by this super parliament. And this parliament itself says, in its own writings, it's not a democratic institution. Because the executive branch is the only branch that matters, and they rule by secrecy. That's their own words. They have secret committees. And the politicians... I don't even why they bother except for a show to the public. Uh, admit themselves they have no power to vote on anything or change laws. It's a super Soviet. A super Soviet. That's what it is. And George Orwell talked about the Soviet system and how literally they'd bring it in without the public knowing what it even was because they wouldn't use the term Soviet. They wouldn't say communistic. They wouldn't say collectivist except in their own writings, like the, the Club of Rome, who said this, the system that they had chosen, and maybe they were only one part of this one world government system with a specialized area. That was to find reasons to unite the world, propaganda campaigns to unite the world. And they came up with the idea that man was the enemy of the planet. To save the world, uh, they'd have to say that man was the bad guy. Man was the enemy. That would fit the bill, they said in their own book, The First Global Revolution. 
But Orwell also said that some are more equal than others in such utopias. Now, many defectors from the old Soviet Union uh, talked about the reasons for why they defected. Now, these were high-level KGB guys, intergenerational, by the way. That's how everything ran in the Soviet Union from the top, all through the families. And none of them left because of hardships of any kind. They lived the equivalent lifestyle, and so did all the bureaucrats in the Soviet Union, of bureaucrats in the West. That was even published in the, in the European newspapers at the time. And they call themselves public servants. Public, public servants. You know, politicians at one time used to give up their own jobs or businesses to go into politics and work for free. That's how it used to be. And of course, it wasn't the best system because they would take uh, the graft, you know, the, the bribes from the lobbyists and so on. They do that, sure. But that wasn't enough for them. They wanted uh, big salaries and big pensions. You know, across the, the so-called democratic, democratic system, this cover they have, if you're in politics for five years straight, you get a lifetime pension. Isn't that a job for the boys, eh? A lifetime's pension, and you get that pension is index related to the cost of living to the rest of your life. So basically, you're getting the same money per month as a, a politician uh, is currently serving, even if you retired 20 years ago. That's not a bad deal, eh? But they also get all these payoffs, as I say, by directorships and all of this kind of stuff, ghostwritten books and all that. You don't make that kind of money while you're getting a salary as a politician. So here's an article on Tony Blair, Wednesday the 7th of October 2009. Listen to this. This is from The Telegraph. Tony and Cherie Blair buy another house. I just mentioned yesterday one of the houses he'd bought, one of the new houses. Tony Blair and his wife Cherie have bought a townhouse in central London, bringing their property portfolio to five homes with a total, worth a total of £11 million, according to reports. So this is the... And they're, actually, they're buying another one out of this. They've bought five already. I mean, these pensions must be awfully, awfully good, wouldn't you think, as a public servant? Well, it certainly didn't come from his pension and politics from the public. But nobody will look into that, though. Oh, no, no, no. Because he's scheduled to be the leader for this new EU, the super parliament. Does a former prime minister and his wife purchased a four-bedroom, three-bathroom muse house for 1.13 million Pounds, that's a bit double in dollars, last month, thought to be for the use of, for the, of the second son, Nikki, 23. That's not bad, getting a, a $1.13 million pound house for your, your son. Eh? You start off his life as 23. A report in the Daily Mail said the house also features a sun terrace, brushed steel kitchen, open plain, uh, plan living room, and so on. It follows the family's £5.75 million purchase in 2008, of a grade one listed mansion in Wharton Underwood, Birminghamshire, in addition to their five-story mansion in London's Connaught Square, bought for £3.65 million in 2004. Not bad for a, for a guy who represented the, the, the working people, eh? <laughs> the couple's most widely known property investment is the pair of buy-to-let Bristol Flats apartments bought by a cherry for her eldest son, Ewan, with the help of discredited Australian Peter Foster. The family's former constituency home in County Durham, Myrobola, is up for sale worth an estimated £300,000. 
they bought it, I guess when he was rags to riches, he was at the rag stage at the time, it was bought for £30,000 in 1983, you see, years before he was, he went in to do public service, public service, right? That's how it really works, folks. That's it. That's how it really, really works. <laughs> the world at the top, just like the Soviet Union, is utterly corrupt. But they don't see it as corrupt. They see it as normal business, you see. You do this for me, I do this for you. Scratch my back, I scratch yours. That's business, you see. And they choose these boys like Tony Boyle when they're very, very, very young. Some of them, as I said before, are given over for their, for their, the start of their training like Arm and Hammer was at the age of five and trained for what they're going to be 20, 30 years down the road. No kidding. Isaiah Berlin was his mentor at Oxford. He was one of the, the characters, uh, like lots of them came into Britain after World War II, or before some of them, and the U.S. And they were Trotskyites. MI5, MI6 recruited them uh, by, the, by the dozens. The OSS recruited them initially. And they never gave up this. See, the, the Trotskyite vision is the same vision that we're going through right now, as opposed to the, to the Stalinist vision. That's why Trotsky was hunted down and assassinated. But all the rest of them came over, and they all got top positions in training the future leaders for the world. And Tony, uh, as I say, went to, to Isaiah, and he wrote a letter. It's up on uh, the Internet, in fact. To, to his mentor uh, about what his mentor had written about about positive and negative freedom positive freedom was, was a type where the public are kept in a, a form of simplicity you let them have enough money to play with and so on enough freedom to make certain decisions within a certain uh, limit and, uh, and you don't interfere too much from the state with them There's, they're obedient silly people that, that, that don't know very much that's basically keeping them in dark and negative uh, um, freedom was where you find a, a, a role, like when the a world goes to war, the country goes to war, and we're all in it together, and then government takes over uh, most of the decision-making in everyone's lives, and uh, that's called negative freedom. Well, Tony wrote a letter to him and asked him, could you combine the two? Is there a possible way to combine negative and positive freedom? No kidding. This is the system they're bringing in. Totalitarianism. A world run by experts. Do as you're told, but we're all working towards a green agenda for ecology. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. It's time for just a caller here. I'll try Daniel from California. Has been hanging on you there, Daniel. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Well, uh, my research has come across. Hello. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, my cell phone kind of sucks. Well, do you think that science is catching up with religion, or is religion catching up with science? In, uh, in terms of math, especially, you see that. Um, there's 11 dimensions 
Right. But get this, all the 11 dimensions are belong one higher so they're all, yeah, the 11 exists, but they're a part of one. Well, all you have to go on is what's happening here. And that's the only thing you can wake up and prove every morning when you, you open your eyes. Yeah, exactly. You. Well, and and well, what you've got, what you've got is a well-defined scheme, well-published scheme. We don't have to go off in dimensions to find the, the truth of it. Uh, but there's no doubts. There's no doubt there are people I, on the I planet that, that are very, that. very evil intentions. And you don't have to mix dimensions and go off into those worlds to try. And you're just simply ridiculing the evidence that you can, you can concretely get a hold of. And, and you'll put listeners off you if you try to bring in some... Uh, and this stuff is put out en masse by the people at the top themselves to make us all sound ridiculous. Uh, stick yeah. to the facts, stick to the published uh, articles, because it's up to us here, right here, on what we do about it. And no one else, no spooks, no ghosts, no phantoms are going to do it all for us or anything for us. It's up to us to do it. And all you can, all you've got in history or religion for that matter is nothing happens except through man. We make the decisions. Uh, nothing else does it for us. Uh, there's no doubt about it that religion, even the, the orthodox religions, especially, let's say, uh, Christianity was knocked off, off uh, after centuries of attack because it was the only obstacle, even though it was a, a tyrant at times as well, but it was the only obstacle that, because it gave the general public, right down to the ordinary peasant, the rights of life. The right of life is a sacred being or someone that had something sacred within them. When you eradicate that, like Huxley said himself, Julian Huxley, you can then go ahead and train the public that you're nothing more than an animal. Once you accept that, then they can do whatever they want with you. So that's been knocked off his feet. The New Age movement, to be honest with you, is, was created by them as well. Uh, the whole, all this dimension stuff was all put out by the guys at the top. They have, they've been hiring novelists for over, uh, since the 1920s. Uh, even, even Huxley himself, the brother Aldo Huxley, was hired to write facts and put it into uh, novel form so that people would actually get prepared for what was to come, including genetic engineering in the 1930s. And then I've read the articles here from America's cultural uh, Cold War, where the CIA hired hundreds and hundreds of novelists and screenwriters to do predictive programming on the general public. And they do it through science fiction and the introduction of the, the New Age movement, which was then going to combine with the ecology movement to save the world. That was further backed up by Michael Gorbachev, who said... And this is a top KGB guy, the president of the Soviet Union, who's now running this big green card, as he calls it, to save the world. He says, I am an atheist, he said, but we, the elite, are creating a new world religion for the public based on a form of earth worship. Well, guess what? We'll do what we're told by the new priesthood. By the new priesthood. We are the priests. Everybody's a priest themselves. You are what you want to be. But use your common sense. And don't follow people. That's it for tonight, folks. So, from Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your gods or your gods go with you. <laughs>